morning. Welcome to the Sunday Recap Podcast. I'm Ariel Eldridge, the Connections Director here at Stones Crossing Church, here with my two cohorts in ministry. I have Mitch Green to my left and Chris McLaughlin across to your the table. Second left. To my second left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's We're like so glad you're breakfast. here. Se- second <laughs> breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. How was your weekend? I want to hear about Halloween. I haven't asked mm-hmm. either of you what you did. Um, we didn't really do a whole lot. So we went to my sister's house, and we helped hand out candy to kids. So you had you had trick or treaters. We did that at my sister's house. They did. We don't know about our house. We didn't put out candy this year, which is the first time I've ever done that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever have that panic moment of like you've left the house on Halloween and you're like, our porch lights on. There's gonna be kids (laughs) waiting at the door. Kids crying. There's my candy. (laughs) (laughs) They don't love me. Aww, <laughs> that'd be really sad. So, Chris, how how did your kids like Halloween? Did you oh, guys yeah. go out? They they love it. So, um, you trunk or treated, didn't you? We, yeah. So, uh, Sierra, like a good Christian family, he is. I My, know. Well, where, where did you go? Because <laughs> we didn't. Well, I didn't go. Uh, so, Erica took took Caleb and Sierra, our two middle kids, to the trunk or treat thing. That's cool. Before that, all four of them went out trick or treating around our neighborhood a little bit. And they came back with a haul. Oh, my gosh. Like a haul of candy. And then on top of that, my two older kids, right around like 730, 745, when all the little kid traffic dies down, my older kids said, we're going to go out again. I'm like, all right, be back by 830. So they went out and they walked around again. And all of the people in our neighborhood were like, we have all this leftover candy, so here you go. And they literally came back with grocery bags full of candy. I mean, it is – Unbelievable how much candy we have in our house right now. Well, you can bring some of that in here. Did you, oh, my did you eat a lot of it? Because you were probably sermon prepping. I, I was sermon prepping, and yeah, I ate um, my fair share. Yeah, oh, I ate almost all of it. No, I'm kidding. I, uh, when, I, <laughs> when I sermon prep, I turn to different candy sometimes. Than really? normal. Like, I don't eat sweet tarts a lot, but I'll, I'll eat sweet tarts when I sermon prep. Mm. Whoppers. Not Ooh. a whopper guy, but, you know. Sermon so, prepping brings the uh, the malt ball. Yeah, out, I know? think it's still just the little pieces. They're easier, you know, to just kind of... Flip in your mouth, you know. Okay, I'm making I, a face right now because yeah. it's like uh, you're scraping the bottom of the pumpkin bucket for those because those yeah. are nasty. Mm-hmm. Dum dums. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff. That's nobody the filler wants. candy. Yes, <laughs> that's what that is. So it looks like you got a whole handful. But well, today we're talking about Chris's um, sermon this weekend, which is exciting to get to do. It's always kind of awkward when the uh, pastor is sitting in the podcast. Grill him. And we're grill, grill him. him. And so they've let me drive this morning. We'll see where this lands us. But um, this, <laughs> this morning we're looking at the woman of the well. Um, and so we're starting a new series this, um, this month called This Is My Story. And we're going to be looking at stories of people in Scripture that um, have been converted to um, Christianity. And so we want to see how um, their lives have been changed by Christ and therefore how that informs our lives and how we can be changed by, by his goodness and his um, saving grace. So... Today we're talking about John 4, and this is the woman in the well in Samaria. And so this is a really cool, awkward story, but you made really neat observations for us um, to apply this, and you came up with three points. The first one, focus on Jesus, our needs are met by Jesus, and time for salvation is now. And these are all things coming from her interaction with Christ. Um, and so, Chris, if we can just jump in here and start asking you bunches of questions, Uh-oh. which I think would be a great way to start this. Um, 
what's happening here with the woman, like she's she's getting to see something that frankly no one else has been privy to the the true information of who Christ is at this yeah. point or who Jesus the person is at yeah. this point. Yeah, so far in the story um in the Gospel of John, there uh, Jesus does not come out has not come out and specifically said that he is the Christ. And this is the first time that he does and he does that with a not a Jew um and not a man, yeah. <laughs> you know, to a Samaritan woman, which I think is is wonderful. Um, in fact, wh- one of the things that I thought is just beautiful about the way that John writes this is that this is coming off the heels of John chapter three, you know, where you have the story of Nicodemus and and where he says uh, the most one of the most famous verses, right? John three sixteen, that God so loves the the world that He gave His only Son. So. So immediately after that, you begin to see how God really does love all all types of people, mm-hmm. um, and you see that happen right off off the bat here from the very beginning. So I just think that's kind of neat from from the from the get go. That is really cool. Yeah. So Chris, I, I want to ask you this tension question. So uh, I was wrestling yeah. with this. I was thinking about this story this morning. There's um, there's this emphasis sometimes in Christian movements to say we want to focus on the teaching of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then there's these movements that say, you know, we want to focus on, you know, the lordship of Jesus um, and that Jesus is the Messiah. I feel like this story um, is one of those that is irrefutable, that Jesus didn't come to just give some good teachings, but he actually came to establish himself as the way to Christ yeah. mm-hmm. and believing in him. So um, uh, this might be a tough question, but I, I'm, I'm curious if you just kind of would wrestle out for people, you know, why Why is Jesus as Lord accepting him so significant and we don't just follow his teachings, if that makes sense. Ooh. Okay, so I just want to flesh this out because I'm kind of trying to catch up to yeah. your question. So you're saying all throughout the story from Genesis up until now, we've seen the the Jews living by obedience to the law. Is that what you're talking about? Y- yes, yes. And so, so in order to be in the covenant and to be, I guess, for lack of a better term, in good standing mm-hmm. with God, they have to keep to the law, keep to rituals, mm-hmm. and um, fulfill. They keep yeah. having to fulfill things. So now we're seeing someone who's claiming to be living water and saying, I'm I'm he, like all you need is me. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. So, so I'll let us get back to subject. I'm jumping farther ahead. There was something in your sermon that I thought was really, really powerful where you're talking about, you know, even just the way that she views the questions that, that he's asking her, that her, her, her perspective is so literal, literal, yeah, so mm-hmm. literal in that it's okay, but you think you're better than the guy who actually dug this? Well, if there's a river there, why wouldn't he, mm-hmm. why wouldn't he go use the river? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think there's this general tone, um, in this, in this entire story that we have to come in accepting that we're submitting to Christ as the Lord of our life, that mm-hmm. he is the source of all living water, not just the thing that he thinks that he says. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a shift here, you know, which you're, you're addressing the controversy side of it, is that yeah. I think sometimes that people go, well, we just need to abide by Jesus' teachings, abide by Jesus' teachings. He's a great teacher. He's, he's a great rabbi. He's sure. a great, yeah, and, we, and we're minimizing his lordship. But in this aspect, you're like, no, he's... The living water. Yeah, the, sor- the source of the living mm-hmm. water, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I would say if there's an emphasis in, you know, in this story of do we, you know, how, how much do we need to, like, obey the commands that, that of Jesus' teaching versus submit to the, 
to Christ in his lordship. This is a big time submitting to Christ that's in his what lordship I'm story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think, but I, but I think that's the right emphasis because I think ultimately, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but, we, but that we can't actually obey God and obey his commands Absolutely. without his help, without his, his help in, in doing that. And that's not, that's not even controversial. Like no, that's, it's, that's well, like across the board. It's not, and it is. So, so yeah. there's a lot of emphasis, I think, within the church today on, you know, we, we focus on the teachings of Christ. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that, you know, Christ came to give teachings for the world. Yeah. But we're not, we're like, we're not so focused on the person of Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and fully um, leaning into him. Yeah. And I think that's that's the piece that I think it's it's as you said it's it is foundational. You know, if we Absolutely. don't if we don't focus on Christ as Lord and we don't let everything fl- flow out of that, then the reality is that we're just going to keep focusing on our shortcomings and yeah. trying to be obedient to something that we can't do without Christ. Yeah, yeah, exactly. After that first piece where we see the woman at the well who is focusing on Jesus, you can see that as the story is played out, like she doesn't really truly see who he is and then it dawns on her and she changes and she obeys and she just runs to tell people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought this was worth mentioning just as I was reading through the story, I thought it was so interesting that um, as soon as Jesus tells her, you know, you're right, you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. She's like, Oh, I perceive you're a prophet. So she then starts to ask him like the the hot question of the day. So what do you think about the difference in the way we worship? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like you can see her leaning in closer. And I mean, yeah, which is so funny because it's like she knows that he's a Jew, you yeah. know, so so she probably knows how he's going to answer. It's like, you know, going up to someone where you already know, like, you know, but um but Jesus' answer, I think, is really surprising in a lot of ways because one, he does sort of assert, like, well, the Jews are right. Cause because he he yeah. does say here, we worship, uh, you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know. So there's a little bit of this assertion there, like, you know, the Jews actually kind of have it together here. And and I think that's affirmed too by Paul in like Romans 9 and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But um, but then you have uh this whole other answer that Jesus gives his ultimate answer is like, but none of this is really going to matter anymore. Um, and it, it really, it really is because the old forms of worship are now ending. Like right. all of that is, is beginning to pass away. And that was, I think what I wanted to get to with this. Cause man, this section is, there's so many things that we could have talked about in this. Like we could have talked about like how the nature of God is spirit and what does that mean? And we could have talked about more about what does what it mean to worship in spirit and truth? I don't know how many sermons I've heard about what that means about like mm-hmm. the spirit, and, spirit and, truth and truth. always go together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm like, okay, but we're talking about conversions here and we're talking about, you know, what God is doing with us in salvation and the glory of that. Mm-hmm. And what he's getting to here is this whole idea of there's a, there's an old age and there's a new age that's mm-hmm. coming. And that is now here is what he says. And so I wanted to kind of illustrate how this old age is passing away and there's a new age that is breaking through right now and it's breaking through because Christ has come. So so that's kind of what I, I think Jesus is emphasizing here is like, look, this, this new age is now here and it's here because the Messiah is here. Yeah, you know? he basically says, I am he and, and that uh, he is offering her needs to be met. So apparently yeah. this woman has had some major needs and you can tell through her lifestyle. 
Um, and so when you see a woman who has had that many husbands, you know that her thirst runs deep for something that is not being satisfied. Mm. Um, and so your second point was that our needs are met by Jesus, and he is talking about living water. But what does he mean by living water? I know that's clarified. Yeah. Um, before we get to that, too, sure. I, I also want to be, because I felt like I wasn't super sensitive to this, because I, I, I want to be sensitive to maybe people who are listening or, or other people who who maybe have gone through a situation where they've had multiple spouses. Mm. Oh, sure. Things like that. The, the thing with this story is we don't, we don't know the context as to why the woman had so many spouses. Like mm-hmm. maybe they die. You that's know, true. Right. maybe, you know, m- maybe there's something else that's going on that we just aren't aware of. Um, the context, though, is because of the last piece of it, that, that she's with a man who is no long, who is not her husband. The context seems to imply that there is that she is running to these relationships. And so mm-hmm. I think it was a pretty safe assumption because of that. Mm-hmm. But I also want to be sensitive to like, you know, we don't. Um, just because someone has had multiple spouses mm-hmm. doesn't mean like, you know, they're just running from person to person. At the very least, it, like re- it reflects a broken world where yes. she is not filled because relationships have ended, yeah. right? Absolutely. Either in death or in, you know, sin. It exactly. doesn't matter. It's yeah. it's all broken. I think people think that, that like sometimes when you're preaching, you sit up there with them in mind. And I think oh. in this one, you're like, I don't have anybody in mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, if you think I was, like, writing this for you, I was not. Yeah. 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 That's good to clarify, though. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, um, ask the other yeah, question Yeah, well, um, it, so she's seeing that um, he's offering her something that will fill her permanently. Right. Which is living water. And, um, and you interpreted this as the spirit. But can you show us where yeah. you found that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so later on in the book of John, if you run down to John 7, verse um, 38, Jesus talks about living water again. And um, and so he says this. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So this is only just a few chapters later, the same author. Jesus is speaking again. And then the gospel writer, John, in verse 39, explains, now this he said about the spirit the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive as uh, for as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, so we have the gospel writer really clarifying what Jesus meant by living water. Um, very specifically saying that this is something that believers will receive. Okay. So, which is an awesome promise that, that as we believe in Christ, then, then we receive the gift of the Holy spirit. Um, and that's a promise and then we have this this whole idea of the time of it. So because Jesus had not yet been glorified, then the Spirit has not been given yet. So we're kind of waiting for um, Jesus to to die and to be resurrected and to have his glorified body. Mm-hmm. We see in John 20, He uh, we were just looking at this earlier, in John 20, Jesus breathes on his disciples and it says, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. But we know that they 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 fully receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So this is... Um, you know, 50 days after the Passover, uh, Jesus has already ascended and the disciples, the, the apostles and, and disciples receive the Holy Spirit on that day. So, so Chris, um, I want to come back to something that you were saying a little bit earlier. I've been just kind of wrestling with it in my mind. So I kind of want to know how you got to this point. 
So you talk about Jesus being the source of living water, and you make a reference to you know the Holy Spirit being that living water, referencing the later John passage. Can you just kind of walk through me, through for me, how you got to that? Yeah, absolutely. So the question on the table is, when Jesus in John 4 says, talks about living water, is he, is he truly talking about the Spirit, or is mm-hmm. he talking about himself? Yeah. Um, and, and so it seems like, so, so the, 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 the evidence that I gave for the Spirit is based out of John 7. I think it's, um, but I think it's also um, stuff that we see in the Old Testament as well. So, so, so there's a lot more that I think is coming together in order to, to show this. So, so one of the passages was um, one that I talked about in the, uh, in the sermon was from Jeremiah 2.13, where God calls himself the fountain of living waters, okay? Um, so there's that. Um, I think we can go back to Numbers as well, and where you see the water from the rock. So this idea of water... And then you have the rock, and then if you couple that with 1 Corinthians 10, where where uh, Paul says that the rock is Christ, so he's the fountain of the water that's coming forth, uh, that type of a thing. So so you, there's almost this distinction between the water and the rock itself. Okay, so then you also get into a lot of like big eschatological things. So you have like Zechariah 14.8, which says, um, on that day... Living waters shall flow out of Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea, and it shall continue in summer as in winter. And to me, when I look at this, I see this as a as a prediction of Pentecost. Um, that this is that if that if we're interpreting this as um, kind of connecting this to, to to God bringing salvation, what what he's especially in Zechariah, which is big time talking about like going to the nations and things like that. Um, you have this idea of if, if this is the living waters uh, and it's the Holy Spirit, then you have the Holy Spirit flowing out of Jerusalem, right, on the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And it says half of them go to the Eastern Sea and half to the Western Sea. Well, that's pretty much exactly what the apostles did. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they broke up from there and ended up going all over the known world to see that. Um, so th- there's just, there's a number of things. Um, I, I would point to also Ezekiel 47, which is the the water, the the river that's flowing from the temple, which then prefigures this, this thing that's going to happen in, in revelation um, and, and all that. So, so there's so many things that I think that come together that, that kind of show like God himself is the, is the source of this, the fountain of this and the living waters is the, um, the, the thing that actually brings refreshment to us and um, and then and then becomes a, a well that springs from within us and and that and that springing out from within us and flowing out of us is our good works yeah mm-hmm. uh, and and that's the the role of the Holy Spirit as well so so I think that's the way that I'm interpreting all that I think okay. your answer Let's was go. really good so it was really helpful yeah yeah all of that I got out of the Beal Carson yeah. commentary of the Old Testament to the New It's hard because yeah. there's a part of me that it feels a little like searching for something, yeah. you know, that's not there, mm-hmm. but like, but it also makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. That's the thing. Because uh, so much of it is allusions yeah. to stuff. And, and allusions are difficult to, because it's not a one to one. Right. Because when you went times. to Zechariah, I'm like, oh, well, that's Revelation. Like, that's what the new Jerusalem will be like. 
but yeah, no, yeah. But, but I think it's I think it's actually more acts. I think you're right too. Yeah. I think that um, more often than not, we can find fulfillment of um, prophecy in the New Testament, like yeah. the New Church. Yeah. So what I think is really cool here, though, um, and I wish you know, like you said, there's so many things we could flesh out from this this one passage, this story alone. But if we're thinking about our needs being met by Jesus, if this is if this is a moment where he's beginning to reveal who he is in the whole narrative of Scripture, mm-hmm. um, what he's doing is he's ushering in the end of things. And so we we use that big word um, eschatology about um, what what God is doing in this story to bring about um, restoration for his people, mm-hmm. and um, and so you can see eschatology starting as soon as. Christ is ushering it in. Jesus is ushering it in. And, yeah. and in the moment he says, you know, I'm he, like I'm I'm the Messiah. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, which is so, so helpful for us because we talk about needs here met by Christ. Often it's really hard for me to think beyond like this life. My needs are met here. Yeah. But our true need is, is, um, is coming. It's something to look forward to. Um, and totally. So, well, I was going to say, even back in the Old Testament, that this is this is this is where we start to see eschatology start to come out. Like, like we're talking about a time when, when, uh, when Messiah comes. That's kind of what usually in the Old Testament eschatology points to, mm-hmm. and and so we see that uh, begin to be fulfilled at Christ's first coming. And it and it's weird now because we live in this intermediate period between his first coming and his second coming, and. And there's so many of these blessings, these eschatological blessings of that were promised to us that are happening now, but not fully realized right, yet. Right. And so, so as Christians, we live in this tension between that, where we we're seeing the blessing, but we're still awaiting the full realization mm-hmm. of all of these blessings. And that's a hard place, I think, to be in. Sometimes mm-hmm. um, we have a lot of hope, yeah. but but we also have a lot of of uh, heartbreak at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what's so interesting to me about that is that John really focuses in on that. I mean, he just uses that theme over and over in his books, but um, mm-hmm. this is a really beautiful story for us today to just think about, about even though we're caught in the already and the not yet, just yeah. the, the goodness we have to look forward to mm-hmm. and cling to. Um, so in that though, your third point was time for salvation is now. That's that now and not yet, like we're um, we're seeing Jesus make all things new, and He's starting it um, from the moment He starts to reveal His plan here on Earth. And so, can you just unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, and this is one of those things where I couldn't explain it fully in this yeah, sermon because it was a lot. so big. But okay, so so here's just kind of the idea, and, and it's that um, in the Old Testament. Even though we saw so much of you know people putting their faith in Christ, like or putting their faith in a future Messiah who is going to rescue them, and they're trusting in that salvation that God is providing. So we see that in Abraham, and we see that in in so many people in the Old Testament, um, in even non-Jews. Like we look at Nineveh, and we look at Rahab, and and like people who are outside of Israel who are putting their their trust in this future Messiah. But still, um, when we get to the New Testament. Paul talks about this as being such a mystery, like like this this idea of salvation was sort of hidden and sort of in shadow until Christ came. And then when Christ comes, then the salvation that we have and the way of salvation is now fully re- revealed to mm-hmm. us. And so and so 
as Christ is here now, he's basically saying like, look, this is the way of salvation. It's through me and it's through me alone. You know, so like John 14, six, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the father except through me. So, so with that idea, now what we have is clarity around the way of salvation. That salvation is by Christ alone. Um, it's by God's grace alone. It's through faith alone. Um, and that is then, um, so clear to us now. So then that makes it so easy for us to then do like Mitch, what you preached on a few weeks ago, like Romans 10, Mm -hmm. where we go and we preach the gospel and we're like, look, now we know the name that we're supposed to call on. You know, now we know, uh, you know, what, you know, how the way of salvation is and, and why that's so clear. So, so the apostle Paul in his letters often talks about this as being such a mystery, in the Old Testament, but now mm-hmm. it's been revealed. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's that's the idea that now it's really been revealed to us. And that's why I, I think we can say the time of salvation is now mm-hmm. because we know the name to call on and that name is Jesus. A, a few things as we're talking about the spirit, um, why it's so important to kind of wrap our minds around a scriptural presentation of who the Spirit is as a person of the Trinity is that we can run into some really um, wacky problems. And, you know, I was, oh, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking um, with a couple people this weekend from two different churches and having different um, problems with um, people who are either over-realizing who the Spirit is and de-emphasizing the other two persons of the Godhead or under-realizing who the Spirit is. Right and overemphasizing something yeah, else. Yeah, ignoring the Spirit altogether. Exactly, Absolutely. Yeah. So I thought it would be really good if we kind of dive into that a little bit today. I know we've done this a, a little bit in the past where we had a, a specific question come up, but let's talk about the Spirit and what the Spirit does, who He is, mm-hmm. um, just a little bit more Trinity um, conversation, and then how we can handle um, the topic well in, not, in, in understanding um, the three persons in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, the, I, I think the first thing that we would want to say is let's, let's think about the Holy Spirit in the context of the Trinity first, mm-hmm. because then what we, what, and it, historically what we would say about this is that the, so the father sends the son, mm-hmm. right. And the spirit proceeds from both the father and the son, mm-hmm. right. So you have this relationship there where, um, that's sort of like the sending, mm-hmm. the, the the sending relationship. But then there's the reverse as well, where the spirit is going to testify to the son, like so. Like what the spirit does is going to then bring glory to the son, uh, to yes. the word. At the end of the day, so you have you have, um, you know, even through God's word, uh, that the spirit is is writing God's word in order to illuminate who the son is, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, the son is is redeeming people to to bring glory back to the father uh to bring them back to the father so so this it's this really interesting relationship and they are um unified in the way that they work um and they complement each other in the way that they work and i think i think that's it's it's important to keep that in mind they're never going to be separated they're never Mm going to work against each other Mm -hmm. so yeah so you think about you know a practical outworking of that and one of the easiest for me is to think about prayer Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we've talked about this on here before or not, but, you know, when we're praying and, and you've probably pray this way and practice this, but without even really realizing what you're doing, but you're praying to God, the father, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. how do most of us, you know, you've got a dear God, you know, dear heavenly father, you got some sort of, you know, you're taught who you're talking to, which is God. Yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, you say in Jesus's name, you mm-hmm. know, and so um, why do we say that? Well, because it's by the redemptive work of Jesus that we have the ability to pray. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you pray? Well, by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So you're, you're actually practicing um, a proper theology of how the three persons of the Trinity work in your prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it helps actually clarify for you, okay, there's a simple way to understand in one aspect of my faith life. Again, how do I relate to all three persons of the Trinity? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's good. really good. Yep. Yeah. So um, if we overemphasize the Spirit, what are, what are some things that can go wrong in that situation, in that scenario? So um, I think about this a lot in spiritual gifts because I think about from the ministry side, but um, in, in working out, you know, trying to help people understand better how God's gifted them uniquely. Mm-hmm. Um, so spiritual gifts are for the building up of the body. If you are interpreting the Holy Spirit <laughs> to lead you to do anything, that is not for the building up of the body. Mm-hmm. It's for building up your own kingdom or it's any it contributes to anything outside of that. Meaning the best way to interpret that is, is it supported by scripture? Yeah. But if, if that is what your relationship looks like with the Holy spirit, then um, I think it's outside the bounds of how the spirit works. Um, as, yeah. as Chris said, again, because the spirit's not going to, not going to work in ways it's not aligned with, God, the Father, or Jesus. And so really typical workings of the Spirit, I think, are for the building up of the church in yes. this age. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's what it looks like. So you just see you just see people take that to total dangerous realms, start to make claims that would make much of themselves and would make, you know, and wouldn't even be necessarily lifting up God. Or mm-hmm. if they do lift up God, they lift up themselves more than they lift up God. Mm. Um I mean, I I have friends that I would say are more charismatic than I am. But, you know, I, I've had friends that I've seen do things like I had a friend claim that this is the day that their child's going to be born and it didn't happen. And they said they got that. For, you know, that was a word from the Lord. and That was the day their child was going to be born. And and when that happened, I mean, you had to I had to wrestle with them on this. Like, who does that bring glory to? Mm-hmm. You were God. Mm-hmm. Like you made this tremendous, tremendous profession that this is the day it's going to happen. And it and it didn't happen. Now, if it did happen, who gets glory? Well, God does. But you do too, and <laughs> you get a lot of it, you know. And you see that, you know, with churches across the country binding COVID in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, who gets the glory? Their prayer gathering, or right. Jesus? Right. You know. So who are we making much of? And the Spirit's going to make much of Christ. Um, he's not going to make much of ourselves. So absolutely. Just to point to a, a scripture on that, First Corinthians fourteen is a great place to look at that. And I'll just read verse twelve. He says, "So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit." He says, strive to excel in building up the church. That So that's the priority, um, not just to see some miraculous thing happen, uh, but the priority is how are we actually helping the church to grow and mm-hmm. strengthening the church? Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the other side. Yeah. yeah. The other side of the equation is that you don't understand, um, you don't relate to God believing that there's an active working of the Spirit um, in this current age of life. So... What that means is that you are either trying to do everything by your own power, your mm. own ability, mm. you're trying to accomplish everything yourself, um, or you're just simply not seeking, you know, the Lord in your life through Scripture. Again, again, the clearest way to hear God speak, and Luke always says this, he says, you know, is open his word, <laughs> you know, yeah. and Luke says you want to hear God speak out loud, read the Bible out loud. That's what he always <laughs> says, <laughs> but... but Again, I think there's something there to say, like, how are we seeking God in the active moments of our life? How are we partnering with God in ministry? 
Um, how are we leaning into the Lord for guidance? And how are we believing that the Spirit can move in this present age? Mm-hmm. Um, the quickest way that I think we can, you know, be against us is if we start to believe that God can't do something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if that's either relationally or if that's within the context of church, your work, your family. Once you start to, you know, have this belief that it just isn't going to happen, you know, I think we're starting to say that our trust is in something inside this world, not outside this world. Mm-hmm. Okay. One other thing I, I would add to that, to, to, to this idea of if we're making too little of the Spirit, um, is that by by doing that, it we, we end up ignoring a huge source of power yeah. in our life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would say, too, with this, um, it, 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 at that point, it becomes really a, a failure to recognize. Like, like you said, it, it, it's it's a it, it's trusting in our own our own strength to be able mm-hmm. to do this. But it, but but if if we're ignoring the spirit, what we're what we're doing is we're we're kind of stiff arming the 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 power that God has given us to to live in a way that glorifies God and to live in a, and to be living in a way that's doing things to edify the church and strengthen the church. Um, and man, we need the church needs more people who are doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, the church needs more people who are, um, who are, who are walking in the spirit is the way that, that Paul calls it. But, but, but by that, I mean, man, that, that we are, um, we are trusting in the spirit that he is, that he is leading us and that he is empowering us and strengthening us to be able to do the good works that God has planned for us to do. Yeah. And as we're doing those things and walking in those things that we'll see fruit from that, that we'll see the, the blessing of, of the strengthening of the church and we'll see fruit within our own life and we'll see uh, more people come to faith in Christ. And we'll see, um, we'll even see uh, just a, um, uh, this when we talk about building up of the church, a strengthening of the church, where people's faith are being strengthened yeah. um, by the work that that you are doing, and I think if we ignore the um, if we ignore the spirit in, in in that way, we're actually kind of stiff arming his work to to uh, to do that within us. And so, man, I would just really encourage people like. Um, don't don't ignore what the spirit is is doing yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in that we we need we need the Holy Spirit so desperately he is the living waters that that does overflow into this spring that then flows out of us into all these different arenas in our life so yeah I think again it's just about it's about a reliance on God for the things in life you know and and I I read a post last night and I, I hate I hate mentioning posts of people that I've not talked to. This isn't someone that goes to our church or anything, Mm -hmm. but there was a chaplain friend of mine who posted last night and said, you know, I think that the damage that the church has done over the last four years and it's tied to this presidency are irreversible. That's what he said. Like, just like, like that, that was his position. And again, you think people in the church don't think that way. You're wrong. There are a lot of people that Mm -hmm. do a lot of people that think the exact opposite, but people in the church think that way. Well, again, what is, what is a position like that believe? believes that the spirit can't work. It's it's saying that that the the church the 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 health of the church is determined by a tie to a specific person. Yeah. Outside of Jesus. Yeah. Relying on a source outside of Jesus. It's functional deism at that point. Absolutely. It's, it's that God is no longer in control. He just set up the thing and took and, off. And so <laughs> back into, you know, where we're at today, it's like I think many people um, we think that we have to create the proper circumstances for things to thrive in our life. Mm-hmm. We have to do that. We have to have that power. And if they don't happen, 
what are we going to do? Yeah. Well, I think there's a hope and a reliance on Christ, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, the spirit working that is completely outside of our circumstances that yet, you know, God is sovereign. God's in control, no matter who the, who the ruler is, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. of whatever society you live in, God is at work and man cannot stop <laughs> his work. Yeah. And so I think once we start to think things like that, I think we've moved pretty far from trusting in God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, while I'm thinking about all this and um, wondering how it can edify you today, if you're listening, it's that um, the already not yet, is it's here, you know, eschatology is here. And um, why do we need all this? Well, it's to, um, to quench a thirsty soul in the middle of a very dry um, and desert land that is that is broken. And so this is why we cling to each other. This is why we cling to God's word. This is why we need the church and need each other, um, is so that we can be refreshed by the spirit of Christ that lives in each one of us and is in his word. Um, and so that's how we'll have a story that's completely different mm. than the broken world. Yeah. yeah. bit of rest of our time what I, w- I kind of want to get to here is um, we see that salvation is now it is for non-believers and it's for believers already um, and so how can we encourage people especially like today we're sitting here on the morning of election day and um, things are just really ripe in our in our nation mm-hmm. um, and so there is a there's a lot of hatred being spewed back and forth including Christians who are taking part in this like how can we look to the story of the woman in the well and see a Christ who has revealed himself, who is making all things new, and how that is for us right now and how we can look to that as our hope instead of of the mess that's around us here. God is transcendent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think, I think that's some of our greatest hope is that, you know, our faith in Christ um, is not grounded by the circumstances that we see around us in the world. And... We, um, and yet at the same time, God still calls us to be prayerful, mm-hmm. um, for the things that we see going on in this world and yeah. for our leaders. And so I think that's, that's what engagement looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at, I think it's in Titus where, you know, Paul writes and he's, and he's talking about, you know, praying for the Kings and, you know, the Kings and the rulers you know, I yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, second, second Timothy or first Timothy two. First Timothy two. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. Timothy. Um, and Paul's talking in, in first Timothy and, and when he's telling them to pray for the, the rulers and the leaders, you have to think about the fact that the rulers and the leaders that Paul's talking about are some pretty awful people. That's true. That's <laughs> you know, very yeah. true. People that are way more awful than anything you think about our current. I mean, pr- probably Nero was mm-hmm. yeah, and, coming and into what, power. And at that what's point. what's Nero famous for at that time? Oh yeah, persecuting Christians. I mean, burning he, burning, burning Christians. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was considered a madman. Yeah. And yet, the instruction to the church is to pray for their leaders. That's right. So our hope is in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's foundational. We trust in Him. But we're also called to be praying for our leaders, no matter who they are, because right. no matter which political party they are, I don't think anybody's going to claim that they're like Emperor Nero. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hope not. I mean, it could happen. So Someone just... probably claims that. Dude. Yeah. Well, and and I, I think that's that's exactly right, because I just keep coming back to the hope that, 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 that we yeah. see here. So the woman in this story, her, her attention is very, like, 
her, her mindset is very myopic. It's very mm-hmm. focused on what's yep. around her. So she's focused on her circumstances, um, you know, as a, as a Samaritan and as a woman. She's focused on uh, being a Samaritan, this hot religious topic of the day of where to worship on the mountain or in Jerusalem. Um, so she's focused on these things. And what Jesus does in that moment is just explodes all of that and, and, yeah. and brings it to this thing of like, there's a bigger thing that's going on here than just this little thing that's happening with you. And I think that that we can relate that to what's happening even in our in in, in the election right now, mm-hmm. in um, the pandemic, in the racial tension that's going on. I mean, I mean, all of these things are are momentary circumstances uh, in in a lot of ways. Um, and, and what what I don't want to downplay them because I think they're important. At the same time, if if we're having a perspective here that 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 Christ is talking about between the old age, this intermediate period, and the age to come, man, uh, there's bigger things that are coming that are, that that are so much greater, mm-hmm. and 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 our hope really needs to be there. For um for someone who's just studied John and and his writings in the last week, um, I've really been immersed in in the things that the topics that he's trying to um, encourage Christians about. And it seems like they're in a very similar situation, especially like if you look at the book of revelation and we're speaking into um, a society who's under pressure and who's being um, persecuted a little bit. And I mean, come on, like Americans really don't feel the huge weight of persecution mm, sure. and that might be a, a yet, like we just don't. And yeah. um, not I mean, in the same way, anyway. not in the same way. Yeah. And, and I'm thankful that we haven't had that. Um, but what we see from the scriptures is just how over and over again they point to Christ and how the spirit that lives in us interprets these and, and edifies the church so that we can hang on in this weird, crazy time yeah. and just keep that intermediate period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And keep um keep the faith and um and to stay together. So yeah, while I'm thinking about all this and um wondering how it can edify you today if you're listening, it's that um the already not yet is it's here, you know, eschatology is here. And, um, why do we need all this? Well, it's to, um, to quench a thirsty soul in the middle of a very dry, um, and desert land that is, that is broken. And so this is why we cling to each other. This is why we cling to God's word. This is why we need the church and need each other, um, is so that we can be refreshed by the spirit of Christ that lives in each one of us and is in his word. Um, and so that's how we'll have a story that's completely different mm. than the broken world. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So thank you guys. Thank you for a good podcast. Thanks for answering my questions and, um, thanks for driving today. Ariel. Yeah. Our leader, my- our fearless leader. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, we made it. But, um, we hope you have been encouraged today, especially as we are walking through some of these interesting topics that maybe clarify scripture for you, clarify what we believe is the church. And, um, if we can help you in any way, would you reach out to us? We have an email address. That's our first name. It's stonescrossing.com. Um, Not literally our first yeah, name. Yeah, our first name. Right. Our first name is stonesaustin.com. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, can we make that email today? Yes, <laughs> let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. it. No, anytime you have a complaint, it's always Dave at stonescrossing.com. <laughs> yeah. um, but we hope that you'll join us next week on the Sunday recap, and we'll see you then.